This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast, where host Amber Cullum and her guests delve into hard truths and the unwavering grace of God while journeying in the kingdom of God here on earth. Listen every week at graceenoughpodcast.com or on your favorite listening app. Welcome to the Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Well, welcome to the table this, this morning. Uh, I have Kirby Anderson, president of Probe Ministries International, with me today. Our topic is going to be cultural engagement in the media. I'm Daryl Bach, executive director for the Center for Christian Leadership here at Dallas Theological Seminary, and we're glad you can be with us today. Kirby, it's a pleasure to have you in. Oh, it's uh, good to be with you, sure. Uh, we've done this lots of times the other <laughs> way around, and so uh, I'm paying you back today. <laughs> That'll be good. So we're, But we're glad to have you. Um, Kirby, I think just to launch in and give people a context for what we're going to discuss, why don't you talk a little bit about the experience that you've had in the media, both in print and uh, on on radio? I'm fortunate in some respects because I've been on both sides of the microphone, as you well know. Uh, Certainly, I've written quite a number of books, and so as an author, oftentimes I've been interviewed on various uh, TV and radio programs. But also, over the years, I've had a real privilege to actually be an interviewer, and that started, first of all, right in this very room, we began to do the Probe radio program for a while using this studio. That was 30 years ago. Originally, it was a 15-minute program, then it was down to a five-minute program, and now it's a three-minute program on about 600 stations. Mm-hmm. I also uh, began to occasionally uh, be a guest host on uh, Moody Broadcasting Open Line, and then later ga- began to be kind of a guest host, and now even am the host of a show called Point of View, which is on about 360 stations. So between television and radio, I've done a lot of media been really fortunate to do that and I've been on both sides of those microphones so I've as you have well have been aware there are sometimes when you get some interviews which um aren't really very well done. Yeah, and so exactly. we might prepare some of the people watching this today for what they might encounter when they go out there and do a book interview. Exactly right. So you've and and so now currently what how often are you on the air? I'm on the air every single day with a show called Point of View. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Probe Radio program is on every day as well and then occasionally I do some other programs as well. I do things on the Moody Broadcasting Network. Uh, once a month American Family Radio does a program called Fire Away where they can fire any question they want to me. And so quite a bit of media still is quite a part of my life. And then the other half of what you do that is related to cultural engagement, of course, is your work with Probe Ministries. Why don't you talk a little bit about what they do and how they seek to engage the culture with uh, Christianity? Certainly. We're coming up to our 40th anniversary of uh, Probe, and uh, Jimmy Williams, John Buell started it really with a desire to try to engage the culture, but in particular the university classroom. They'd been very influenced by Francis Schaeffer mm-hmm. and some of his writings and began to realize that there was a real need to try to give a Christian perspective on the campus. So when I first joined Probe, that was a lot of what we were doing. Mm-hmm. We were speaking on college campuses. First campus I was on was Oklahoma State. I spoke 17 times in three days, oh. and that was because we spoke on 175 classes in three days to 6,000 students. They didn't have time to let me kind of <laughs> ease into it. And so we still uh, do some campus kinds of things, but that's when I began to say, you know, there are a lot of other issues we're addressing, the topics we're addressing on the campus 
Columbus are also in the media. And just as you have written on that mm-hmm. and really have tried to address that, uh, we began to write books. I began to do some of the radio programs. We began to do more in the media. And still, to this very day, we're all about kind of helping people understand the world from a Christian point of view. It's kind of a worldview ministry. Well, that's great. Yeah, I remember my experience with Pro. I was a student at the University of Texas, and they came and were in uh, a couple of classes, I think, that I did. I, you guys moved from class to class so fast. It was oh, like, did. hi, I'm John Buell. I'm with Probe Ministries. Our topic <laughs> is, and I'm now on to the next class. Yeah, so, that's very, very true. Yeah. <laughs> You're moving and going. Well, um, uh, to introduce our topic, let's talk a little bit about what cultural engagement is and uh, and what uh, a, a ministry like Probe is seeking to do when they when they engage the culture. What would you? How would you define cultural engagement? Well, certainly we recognize that we live in the midst of a culture, and we really need to speak to that. And whether you are talking about the American culture or a culture that's in Asia or Africa or Europe, we certainly need to understand what some of the key issues in that culture might be, and then articulate a responsible biblical perspective. We also have to recognize that culture has changed. Uh, I've oftentimes used the example that our culture used to be more like an Acts 13 culture. In Mm -hmm. Acts 13, when Paul goes into the synagogue, what can he assume? Well, he can assume a lot of things, that they're all Jews, that they are certainly familiar with the Old Testament, probably memorize a great deal of the Old Testament. They believe in one true God. They believe in a coming Messiah. So if you look at the message that Paul gives in Acts 13, he sort of can hit the ground running. But I suggest now our culture is more like an Acts 17 culture, where here, instead, Paul is in Mars Hill. He can't assume any of the things I just mentioned, that they believe in one true God, that they know the Old Testament, that they believe in a coming Messiah. We have to sort of back up. Likewise, I know when you've been on ABC, when I'm on secular talk shows, when I've been on uh, McNeil Lair, whatever it might be, I cannot assume that the host or the audience uh, is familiar at all with some of the basic kinds of ideas that we would be talking about in a typical classroom at Dallas Theological Seminary. So I sort of have to back up. So as I engage the culture, I still engage it, but it isn't necessarily with Bible verses first. I sort of have to argue to my biblical presuppositions rather than to argue from my biblical presuppositions. And so really cultural engagement is much more difficult, not only for those of us in America, but think about the secular world that many of our listeners inhabit in other parts of the world. You have to engage the culture by maybe sometimes defining more terms, help them understand what a biblical worldview might be, because that would be foreign territory for them. This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast. I am its host, Amber Cullum. Each week, I sit down with a guest to discuss hard truths and the unwavering grace of God they've experienced while journeying in God's kingdom here on earth. You'll hear from guests like Jen Wilkin, Jamie Ivey, Andy Crouch, and Scott McKnight. Listen to these conversations and more by searching Grace Enough Podcast on your favorite listening app or by visiting graceenoughpodcast.com. Yeah, in fact, I just came from Australia, New Zealand this summer. I spent two months there, and you know, only two percent of the population is really actively Christian, and and there's a lot of people who don't know very much about the Bible at all. And so, you really are starting from from square one. It, it isn't it. 
isn't it the case, and you've alluded to this, that really in one sense to talk about culture almost misleads people as if it's a singular monolithic yeah. uh, thing that is the same everywhere. It, we really are talking about cultures, uh, national cultures, local cultures, regional cultures, mm-hmm. et cetera. And that also complicates the discussion to some degree because being sensitive to culture means that you have to have some awareness of how the culture that you live in in one place may not be like the culture that exists in another. Isn't that the case? Sure. If we can use a big word, there's the word pluralization, and we live in a world where we have a plurality of worldviews. Probably best illustrated by the title of a book by Jim Sire called The Universe Next Door, because in a sense, you have to recognize that where you are living right now, you have a universe of worldviews next door. I mean, you can go up and down the street where you live, and you probably can find Baptists and Presbyterians and Catholics, but you can also find Buddhists and Hindus and Muslims and atheists and agnostics. And so it's very important to recognize that in this culture of pluralism and the pluralization, the process that has taken place, you really have a multitude of different cultures, which means, again, if you're going to communicate to the culture, if you're going to engage in cultural engagement, you really have to understand a little bit more of the audience. And so you have to not only sort of exegete God's word, but you have to exegete the culture as well. And that's going to be, I think, much more important as we move further into the 21st century. Well, you know, you've just raised something that actually was where I was going to go next, which is the whole idea of when we engage with culture, it isn't just a matter of our putting forth our own ideas and our own perspective, although we're coming in part to, to represent God and to reflect him when we do that. But there really is a dimension in which we have to understand the person we're having the conversation with. And this is one of the areas where I think the church has struggled a little bit. We, we're pretty good at our uh, – I like to say we're pretty good at our own message and we're pretty good at what we want to say. Uh, and, uh, and we do a good job oftentimes from going from a Bible to a topic. But if you flip that around and make us go from a topic to a Bible or interact with someone who is coming at us from a little different perspective, our ability to understand how to how to reach out and touch them because of where they are, uh, oftentimes we're not so strong at. Well, and I think we need to work at that a lot more, and maybe that's some of the kinds of things we teach at a seminary uh, to help you read that. But even back to the issue of worldview, because you know, Probe and is a worldview ministry. Matter of fact, we pulled together a summit years ago of all the worldview ministries. So that's Breakpoint and Worldview Matters and Worldview Academy and Worldview Weekend and all sorts of different groups uh, to coming together. I think the advantage of a worldview, Daryl, is that you can begin to say, well, what is the worldview of the person I'm talking to, whether it's a television talk show host, whether it's a radio show host, whether it's a a radio person or maybe an individual that's a religion editor for a newspaper, or whether it's just somebody you're talking to at Starbucks, where are they coming from? What are their presuppositions? What are some of their ideas and values? And then as you're communicating to a culture, what are those values? What are some of the hot buttons? What are some of the key points? And if we're going to be really effective, I think, in the 21st century, no matter where we find ourselves, whether it's in the United States or other places around the world, we're going to have to understand a lot more of the worldview of the audience that we're speaking to, the worldview of the people that we're engaging. Yes, and I, and I think in the midst of, of that kind of engagement and in thinking through how to be sensitive to, to that where that person is coming from and what kind of where to start from. Oftentimes that the part of the issue is determining where do I even begin to have this conversation if it turns in a direction that deals with spirituality. I think uh, again, our, our ability to know the variety of ways in which people 
uh, assimilate things, which you've called worldview, and, and the lens through which they look at it. And the problem for a lot of people is, is that the person that you're talking with sometimes doesn't even think about themselves as having a worldview. That's true. They, yeah. they just, they've just absorbed what they've absorbed in life, formed a, formed a way of negotiating their way through life, and they're just there articulating oftentimes what they've just absorbed as opposed to what they've really thought through or studied. But it has formed convictions for them. And so how do you begin to work that through for the person who, who has a view and has a worldview, but they may not even be aware of what their own worldview is? Well, I think they're Again, Daryl maybe brings us back to asking questions. You know, think of the number of times that Jesus asked questions, Mm -hmm. sometimes to make a point, sometimes to elicit a response uh, from the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or the woman at the well, or whatever it is. And I've learned quite a bit from uh, a number of people that have written about this. Greg Kokel in his book Tactics is a good example of really uh, saying, well, have you ever thought about this, or what about this? Sometimes you can ask a question so that you're really trying to maybe understand a little bit more. Other times you might ask a question so that you can help them see the logical consequences of their view. Because a lot of people very quickly will just throw out a phrase or something they've heard, but they really haven't thought it through a great deal. Islam is a good example. Almost every time you get talking about Islam or you talk about Christianity, usually, especially on a college campus, I'll have kids say, well, what about the Crusades? And so I'll say, okay, what about the Crusades? There were nine of them. Which ones do you have a problem with? And you kind of get this, well, oh, I really don't know anything about it. I, I didn't think so. But, you know, that's that's a favorite line, you know. What about the heathen in Africa? I mean, you get all sorts of things. How could a good God allow evil in the world? I mean, these are sort of perennial questions or comments that come up, but you get them to think a little bit more. Or you have a young person, and I've had many of them say, well, I believe that all truth is relative. And so I ask, well, do you, is that truth? Did you just expressed relative? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I, well, what you seem to be saying is you don't believe in absolutes. And I had one student say, yeah, absolutely. I said, well, let me help you understand this. <laughs> what you're basically saying is you absolutely believe that there is no absolute truth except the absolute truth that there's no absolute truth. And he smiles and says, okay, okay, you got me on that. I said, no, I'm not trying to play a game here. Yeah. I'm helping you understand that somewhere along the line there are some first principles. There are some basic things that you believe. And when you engage in maybe even sort of a lighthearted kind of back and forth, it helps them sometimes understand, yes, I have all sorts of assumptions I've made. I haven't really thought them through. They're part of my worldview. They're part of the lens through which I view the world. And so in a kind of a gracious sort of way, you can begin to get them thinking about some of the ideas that they hold dear and help them maybe see that the biblical truth answers more questions than what they thought was true. Yeah, and I, I think th- I, I think this idea of asking questions and engaging someone in a conversation and just kind of um, – I, I like to tell people, sometimes you ought to just let a person tell their story of their religious experience, whatever it is, just to – just so you can locate them on a map, so mm-hmm. that so that you have a sense of this is where this person's coming. Oh, they've had a bad experience at some point or mm-hmm. something like that. That's colored the way they're looking at things. Uh, it gives you it gives you a place to land in your conversations if you if you do more listening sometimes than telling. Uh, there'll come a time when you have the more substantive conversation, but getting there sometimes is as important as getting there. And people love to tell their story anyway, so uh, they will be, I think, much more willing to listen to you if you've already shown your willingness to listen to them. So I think there's a lot to be said about uh, asking questions, getting to know the person. Obviously, it takes some time and this sort of drive-by culture, that's the biggest challenge, that's I think, right. for some of us. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 
Join us next week for part two of the Table Podcast. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well.